and welcome to the Friendship News Hour, presented to you by Bummer Dude Media today, September the 20th, 2023. My name is Frank. His name is Alex. Al, on this date, in 1973, top-rated women's player Billie Jean King took the court against Bobby Riggs in front of 50 million worldwide viewers and whipped that oh, ass yeah. in the battle of the sexes. I should remind everybody, Bobby Riggs was 55 years old and Billie Jean King was 29. Uh, <laughs> either way, this was for, I, f- I forget, I mean, decades, was the most watched television program in history and uh, proved that the self-proclaimed male chauvinist was wrong and that Bobby Riggs could be beat by a woman. I thought uh, that's pretty cool. I, I, I always like that story. Of the Battle of Sexes. Yeah, it's a movie too, I think. They came out with one not too long ago. Oh, did they? I never saw it, to be honest with you, but no. heard it's a good movie. I got something, we have a lot today, uh, but I have something for you. I know it turns you on to talk about <laughs> Lord of the Rings. I know I know a lot about what turns you on, sir. <laughs> yes, you do. Oh, that's a good way to start today. So there's a thread from the Cultural Tutor on Twitter, and it basically describes why the Lord of the Rings movies have stood the test of time, even though they're only about 20 years old. Uh, they're still widely regarded as some of the best cinema uh, that's ever been created. And the reason why is because they didn't use a lot of CGI. Mm-hmm. Minas Tirith was not CGI. They built a miniature version of the entire city. That's awesome. That's taking a page out of the George Lucas uh, handbook. Oh, there, yeah. Out sure. of Star Wars, mm-hmm. you bet. Uh, so here's the thread. It's not going to be great for people just listening, but we'll, we'll make sure to post this so you can see what we're seeing. And just like you said, they took a page out of George Lucas's uh, book here, and and these are the uh, ATATs on the what is this Hoth? Is that is that the snow the snow planet? <sighs> Anyways, yeah, I'm I'm uh, a Lord of the Rings guy. Star Wars, it's a little shakier. Here's some of Middle Earth. They used uh, wet, I, don't, I don't know how you pronounce this. They, they got those accent lines over the E and A. I'm gonna just call it Weta, W E T A. What a workshop. Uh, special effects and prop company led by Richard Taylor were tasked with helping Jackson and the rest of the crew create the world of Middle Earth using miniatures. And ju- the pictures are just so complex. I mean, look at this thing. It's incredible. Yeah, wow. And it just gets better. Let's see, where's... There's the Eye of Sauron. Oh, sick. I wonder where all these are. They got to live in a, like some in some museum or something somewhere. Yeah. Wow. Here's Helm's Deep. God, such a good battle. Arguably the best battle scene in any movie ever. Just the detail. Right, yeah, the so detail, incredible. Right. Damn, I can hear the orcs in my head right now. <laughs> that's so sick. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So that's the movie, and that's the miniature okay. recreation of it. Nice. You can tell. I mean, it's this guy's no more than six feet tall, so these things are about Damn. five and a half feet, six feet tall. That's probably that's such a use. fun job, dude. Oh, I know. I mean, and, and just like, you know, if you had, if this, so Peter Jackson comes to you and say, you know, I have an unlimited budget for you to make a great film and I need and I need your specialty, which is creating miniatures. I mean, that's just like the best day ever. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they're ever going to remake these because yeah, shit, dude, they're like 20 years old now. Like Harry Potter, same thing, about 20 years. They And they they announced that they're doing that HBO like show that's basically going to be a season per movie and redoing the whole franchise with new actors and stuff. I wonder at what point, they got to do that with Lord of the Rings at some point coming up here. I know they're doing the Amazon Prime show, which is pretty good. Yeah, but I think you could tell. I mean, I don't know how they did the the one on Amazon Prime, but I think you can tell the difference between CGI and For this sure. kind of stuff because it looks it looks good. Like even though it's not like perfectly clear, I mean, I mean that's the point, right? It's Middle Earth. That, that, you know, we're not we're not talking about modern day architecture or, or ability to to make things like perfect. So I don't know. I thought that was super super cool. I love this uh, this Twitter profile, the Culture Tutor. He has all, he he just had a thread about Windows. 
the most uh, uh, beautiful windows in the world. Ooh. And it, like, I'd spend an hour on that thing. Mm-hmm. It was incredible. All right. Um, let's get this out of the way like we always do. Um, talking NFL picks here. Uh, I got Molly Whopped last week by Al. Again. Leads the season 20 to 15. So let's get right into it, sir. Feeling good. Um, if you need any advice, just let me know on these picks, Frank. I got you. Yeah. I, okay. I will. I will consult you. <laughs> I'm not going to go over everything last week, but there was an interesting game that I, I think we both ended up winning this game. It was the Niners and the Rams. And it was a really good game. The Niners were were favored by nine points. And in LA, right? In LA, the the Rams kept it close. They were leading at some points. It was a really good game. And then at the the final drive, the Rams had the ball down by 10 and they had virtually zero time on the clock. It came to the final play of the game. They're down by 10. The spread is nine. And on the last play of the game with absolutely no significance towards the, the who wins or loses, the Rams decided to kick a field goal and it was good. And so they only lost by seven. A terrible beat for those who took the Niners. And I got to imagine, I just have to imagine that betting played a role in that. Why would you kick a field goal as the last play of the game with absolutely no significance to, as to, to who wins or loses? And in the video too, bro, you, the ref looks like, oh, fuck, fuck, fuck. We, like, it's almost like someone was like, get that fucking ball on the line, yeah. snap it now. Like, you could, yeah, dude. I, there's something fishy, bro. I We talked about it before, but they're like set up the exact same way the WWE is as far as being like entertainment and games so like they can fix it legally which is yeah and I, i'm uh, not gonna i'm not gonna sit here and say it's scripted but if they have mm. the opportunity to make something happen yeah right with no significance as to who wins also to the guy on tiktok who said that was a bad pick go fuck yourself because we were both right and you were yeah, wrong so you were wrong we're reading the comments we see the haters <laughs> and I, i'm remembering the haters we're calling you out now so yeah, i can tell <laughs> Uh, you have pocketed that. It's one, always friend. funny though when we put up videos like that. It's never like, oh, good picks. I like these. I'm going to use them. It's always like, you guys are fucking idiots. These are terrible. It's like, all right, moron, cool. <laughs> go kill yourself. Um, okay, oh. Thursday night, San Francisco is playing host to the New York Giants, uh, and they are ten and a half point favorites at home. The Giants with an incredible comeback on Sunday, absolutely insane, and they still didn't cover their spread, but they won the game. Uh, ten and a half at home. I will probably take the Niners on this one. Same, yeah. No Saquon. Matt Breida is not nearly as explosive. Not much of a threat. Yeah, yeah. Not worried. Short about week. Um, the only thing that scares me about these Thursday night games is the low scoring. So ten and a half seems like a lot of points. But I'll, I'll go ahead and take San Francisco. Um, Baltimore hosts Indianapolis. Indianapolis beat Houston. They're in Baltimore and they're seven and a half point dogs. Seven and a half point dogs in Baltimore. And Baltimore looked good against. I can, you know, Cincinnati, it, 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 divisional games, I can never really call it. I'm going to go ahead and take Baltimore in this one. I'm going to do the same because I don't think Anthony Richardson's playing. They also need to stop running the ball with him, man, because he once again got destroyed in the next in the last game. He had two rushing touchdowns. Everyone was super high, and then boom, hurt. It's just like you can't do that in the NFL, man. We've learned right. from Robert Griffin and so many other quarterbacks. Like it just doesn't translate. You got to gotta have some kind of a passing attack so hopefully right. they focus that up um okay miami at home against denver and they're six and a half point favorites i feel like everything screams miami in this one and it kind of scares me a little bit denver i mean they fought they fought against washington who knows what kind of team washington is they're two and oh i think yep so who knows if they're they're for real it looks like denver is just the offense is super sluggish miami 
I'll take Miami. Those those are a lot of points, but they're at home. Russ is I'll cooked, bro. He's done. Yeah, he's I think he's done. done as well. So you like you like Miami? I like Miami for sure. That offense okay. is not stoppable yet that I've seen. Agreed. Okay, Jets at home against New England. Jets are one and one. New England is zero and two to start the season, uh, but they haven't rolled over. Um, Mac Jones is a little shaky. Some some interceptions hasn't played excellent. Um, but they are still two and a half point favorites on the road in New York. This one's tough. It is tough. Zero and three. New England doesn't sound right. The Jets. Mm, the Jets. Mm, 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 mm. Give me New England. Yeah, it's very tough. I think I'm gonna go Jets on this one. He's taking the Jets. Yeah. Yeah. The, something Fair looks enough. off in New England, man. It's like almost like what we're seeing in Bama. It's just not, a, it's a down year. Perhaps you're right. Perhaps this is the week that they put it all together. Jacksonville is hosting Houston and they're nine and a half point favorites. Man, see, this is the th- nine and a half points. That's a lot, dude. Jacksonville lost last week. Houston kind of sucks. There's a lot of points. I'll take Houston. Why not? We'll go Jacksonville. He's taking Jacksonville. A little bounce back. Got no faith in those Ohio State quarterbacks, man. 0-6 yeah, to start the yeah. season. Yeah, I know. Gosh, man. Just when I was, uh, I was feeling really good about Justin Fields, he's not he's not been great to start the season. Cleveland is hosting Tennessee. One of the more gruesome injuries I've seen mm-hmm. ever. Nick Chubb. I, I don't recommend looking it up, uh, but he seems to be out for the season. <sighs> Tennessee, Tennessee came back against the Chargers. I felt really good about that pick until the fourth quarter, and just like they do, they pissed it away. I told you. Uh, you did tell me. Even so, I'm going to take the three and a half points and Tennessee. I got Cleveland in this one. Taking Cleveland. Okay. Detroit is home uh, against a 2-0 Atlanta team that puts up a lot of points. This team can score. Uh, so can Detroit. Uh, three and a half points seems like a lot. Detroit uh, pissed away a win. I don't pissed away. I don't know about that. Came back from down 10 in the fourth quarter yeah, to lose an overtime without getting the ball. I, I don't know about pissed away. I don't know. They pissed away a win. Okay. In uh, a game that they were favored six points. I will roll with Detroit in this one. Obviously, that's what I'll be picking. Green Bay is home against New Orleans. New Orleans is 2-0. They haven't put up a lot of points. Green Bay, are they for real? Are they not? I don't know. One and a half point favorites at home. I'll take Green Bay. I'm going to go New Orleans. Take New Orleans. Mm-hmm. I've seen, I've liked what I've seen from that offense. Yeah, they're okay. And I think they get Kamara back next or week. maybe one more game. Yep, next yeah. week. Washington hosts Buffalo. And they are six and a half point underdogs. Washington looks okay. Buffalo beat the life out of the Raiders. I didn't think that was going to happen. And they they really destroyed them. So maybe they've gotten their stride. I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to take Washington. Buffalo. Nice. We got a lot of opposite picks this week. Minnesota host the Chargers. Both teams are 0-2. Both teams put up a lot of points. Both teams cannot finish a game. Um, this is really tough. The spread is one half a point. This is literally a pick 'em game. I'm going to take Minnesota only because the Chargers secondary looks awful, and Justin Jefferson has more receiving yards than anybody ever, basically. Um, so give me Minnesota at home in this one. Same. Yeah, I'm just going to rely on that home crowd to push into the victory here. Plus, it's the Chargers. I really don't have any faith in them. Uh, how could you? <laughs> Seattle is playing host to Carolina. Seattle is a five and a half point favorite. Carolina is 0-2. They haven't looked, they don't have players, man. Seattle looks shitty. Uh, Their quarterback lined up behind the guard last week. So that's what they got <laughs> going on over there. 
Um, Seattle showed way more life last week than I expected them to. Give me Seattle in this one. Agreed. Uh, Kansas City hosting Chicago, and they are 12 and a half point favorites. Ooh, they could be 20 point favorites. I'm taking Kansas City. The Bears so? are <laughs> trash, bro. Yeah, man, they can't score. Oh, it's great. Um, I love to watch it. It's so awesome. I'll take Kansas City as well. It's a lot of points. Dallas is in Arizona, and they are 12 and a half point favorites. That's way too many points on the road. I know Dallas is good. I know their defense is good. Arizona is um, so bad, though. They're so bad. Take Arizona. Uh, well, Give me 12 Dallas. and a half points, worse. Okay. Uh, and then Vegas is, in, Vegas is hosting Pittsburgh, and they are one and a half point favorites. Hmm. That's a tough one. It is a tough one. It is a tough one. I feel like they're pretty evenly matched. I will take Vegas at home. I got Pittsburgh on the road. I, I think they, they look much better this year or this week than they did week one. Pittsburgh did not impress me at all week one, but they they showed some life this last week. They did show a little bit of life. You asked why there were two Monday night games uh, last week. There are two Monday night games this week. It has yeah. to do with a uh, TV deal where Disney, which is ESPN, gets a certain amount of games a year and they had to like fit them in somewhere. Oh, uh, okay. So these ne- these two weeks, these fr- weeks two and three, there's two games on Monday night. Uh, so enjoy. Uh, Tampa Bay hosts Philadelphia. Both teams are 2-0, and surprisingly. Uh, Tampa Bay is 2-0. Philadelphia is five and a half point favorites on the road. Uh, you know what, dude? Give me Tampa. I do. This is a hard one for me. I think think i think i'm gonna go philly think so i think yeah i think i don't feel good about it at all this is the hardest pick for me so far because dude i've seen life out of tampa like baker looks as good as he's looked in his career to me man like he finally seems like he found like a system or coaches or something that is working for him Um, i think philly can win this game i just i think five and a half points five and a half yeah yeah give me philly though i still think that they're they're that reigning NFC champs. Uh, I think they're looking good to maybe do it again this year. So cool. Last game of week two or three is Cincinnati hosting the Los Angeles Rams. One and a half point favorites at home. I, I mean, do they suck? Are they a bad team? They never were. No, they're they're not going to go zero and three, especially not at home. I don't think so. Not to the Rams. Yeah, I don't think so either. That are injured and falling apart. Other than this receiver that's come out of nowhere, dude. This uh, and, I don't even know what he is. Is he like Hawaiian? <laughs> Honestly, I don't, I don't know. know. He's great Puka. though. Puka Kakua? Yeah, he's great. Um, but give me give me the Bengals, man. I think we're gonna see an explosion from them. They 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 have so many weapons and Mixon and Jamar Chase, who's done nothing this year. T. Higgins, who I was like really leaning on in all my leagues. So yeah, I'm really pulling for a strong Cincy performance. Same. All right. That's your NFL week three picks. Take them to the bank if you're taking Alex picks. <laughs> um, all right. Let's start with Immigration, shall we? Let's do it. Good old classic favorite of ours. I'm going to show you a clip here. This is a development in Texas. It's called Colony Ridge, 40 miles north of Houston. Uh, It's about the size of Washington, D.C. and home to 75,000 people. Uh, The developer gives illegal immigrants direct home loans so they don't need social security numbers. It is also full of gang activity. It's become a strategic hub for the Gulf and Sinaloa cartels reports say that it could reach 200,000 people Damn. shortly. Is it obvious why this is a terrible idea? Yeah. It should be. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, there's some folks out there who believe in open borders. Like, literally, truly believe it. Um, here is Louis C.K. I don't know if this is how, how old this is or how new this is. He was on Joe Rogan podcast. 
And I have a lot of respect for Louis C.K. I think he's a really brilliant guy. He's really funny, obviously. But he says, like, some of the dumbest shit I've ever heard in my life in this clip. My feeling is they should open it, the border, and just let them pour it, let everybody pour in. And, and then the answer, which is, well, then there will be all these problems. Yes, there should be. It shouldn't be so great here, is what I'm saying. In America, it shouldn't be. It's a weird thing to sequester a certain group of people and try to keep upping their lifespan and their lifestyle and just keep trying to increase that for this group of people. And then everyone's and then this pressure of people trying to come in so they can enjoy it. Uh, and then it gets worse and worse down here. I mean, I'm not Canada. The, <laughs> it's really just from down here. Uh, there's something wrong with that. That's not a system that's working. And it forces people to do cruel things to other people. There's a lot of people that die so Americans can be safe. Mm. They're just dying, you know, weddings that are drone bombed in Yemen because the guy said something that might have resulted in American insecurity. Not even like definite American deaths, but like just so we can breathe a little easier. Folks die. And folks do labor in unsafe places so that we can keep the prices where we like them. There's so much about American life that other people pay for. That's part of it. But also, it's not good for us either. It's not a good way to live in a gated community. You know, if, if you let folks pour in like any other wave, it'll kind of slosh. And then you'll just things will be different. I, I don't know, like, there. what'll really happen? A bunch of people, like, will they just come with knives and start killing? Kill yes, they will. <laughs> yes, they will. I want to address his point real quick, but he asked, will they just come uh, and with, with knives and start killing people? Uh, how many times have we uh, covered these stories uh, on, on this show? I have another one for you. Per multiple uh, CBP report uh, sources, an illegal immigrant from Peru charged with murder in connection with a homicide in Eagle Pass, Texas yesterday, was first caught by Border Patrol illegally crossing into Eagle Pass in May, was released into the U.S. with a court date in 2025. 64-year-old Roberto Emilio Vasquez Santa Maria was arrested by Maverick County, Texas Sheriff's Office yesterday. Border Patrol sources tell us after crossing illegally in May, he was processed with a notice to appear in court in 2025, then was transferred to immigration who released uh, him into a non-governmental organization in Eagle Pass. No information on, on the victim and the facts of the case. So, so yes, absolutely. I can understand how people can sympathize with what Louis C.K. said on the latter end of what he was saying. Yes, America has done terrible things to third world country, countries, and we probably have a reckoning coming. I mean, that's, I think, that's not like a very controversial thing to say. But for us to self-impose mass immigration on ourselves and just oh, let the chips fall and it'll just be different. No, that's not, nobody's, nobody cares about, I don't think, the country being different. I think we care about uh, knowing who the fuck is here. Can, can I ask what has America done to Mexico that has made Mexico be the way it is? Because we have a neighbor to the north, like Louis said, Canada, fine up there. People prefer to go up there than America in a lot of cases for political reasons, healthcare reasons, whatever. But like down south, it's so bad. Like how how are we not given credit then for how great Canada is? But then Mexico is our problem too. I, I don't understand. Well, I don't know that Mexico is our problem. I, I think what he's trying to say is he's trying to say that uh, because of what we've done in the Middle East, because of what we've done in Asia, and because of what we support in other portions of the country uh, of the world that create untold amounts of of death and um, unspeakable despair that we deserve to have problems here on our shore. 
I mean, maybe, right? Like, if 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 that were the case, then yeah, okay, like I I, I agree with that. But but I, I think what he's saying is he, we should self-impose penalties on ourselves by allowing the border to be open and just letting it letting whatever happens happen. I, the only way I think that you get to that conclusion is if you're as rich as Louis C.K. because it won't affect you at all. Right. You know what I mean? He's he's going to be sheltered. His family's going to be sheltered from all of that. Um, but it used to be the Southwest that was most concerned about immigration because that's where most of the immigrants would settle. Now it's everywhere. Chicago, New York, Washington, D.C., literally everywhere. There are more immigrants than we know what to do with. I wish I had it teed up right now and I couldn't find the video, but they're literally opening the border and border patrol agents are just letting people through. And the way, I remember there's a video, one guy was like, hey, can I go to New York? And the border patrol agent was like, yeah, you're free. You can go wherever the fuck you want. I mean, okay, fine. But we have no, we, we don't know who this person is. We have no way of tracking him. We give him a notice to appear. This is how immigration works in the United States. I, I, I explain this to people all the time. And they're always so incredulous that this is how it works. And they don't believe me. This is legit how it works. You come, you say, I'm claiming asylum from a persecution in, in my home country. You, you need to provide absolutely zero proof of that other than you saying, I am seeking asylum. And they say, and the United States says, okay, understood. You're going to have to come to court and prove that you're being persecuted. And you can't be like, it can't be like, Oh, like economic conditions in Peru are terrible. I want to come to a better life. No, 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 no. It has to be religious persecution or persecution that you, you, you're going to die because of who you are, right? That, that, that's like the, the, the barriers to persecution are very high. So they give a notice to appear, basically a piece of paper. And in this case, not for another 18 months. So you have 18 months to roam free in the United States with a notice to appear with absolutely no way of tracking you. And if you don't show up to that court appearance, we have no way of knowing where you're at in the country and, and how to deport you. So it's just it's just free for all immigration. Whatever you want, come right into America. That's the message that's being sent. And Americans, citizens of this country who have you know zero to claim for the luxuries of the life that we live other than the birthright, but still have that birthright, are getting fed up with this current immigration policy. Here is Staten Island. And police officers are arresting their own community members because they're trying to block a bus full of migrants that are going to be housed at a nursing home. So these are just like people that were trying to like stop. And these are inflow. residents of Midland Beach in Staten Island. Yeah. And they're trying to block the, the bus from coming into their community and they're getting arrested for it. The police officers are arresting their own community members. Do you see how backwards this all is? And it's frustrating because really what's happening here is the government is tacitly admitting that they don't know how to solve this problem. And so instead of doing anything, they're not, instead of doing something, they're not doing anything. And, you know, Maybe, maybe that's a better use of resources. And, you know, instead of trying to plug a, a, a leak in a boat with, you know, a, a napkin, uh, I, I don't know. But it, obviously people are getting frustrated. And it, to, to me, it, it doesn't seem like a stretch too far to say, like, this is a big problem. This is not something that we should be doing. We should have a process for this. Any well-respected country would. You know how hard it is to get into Canada? Is it hard to become a citizen? It's it? so hard. Not no, become a citizen. Forget that. It's hard to just step foot into the country. Hmm. Hey. If you have a, a, a prior, like a misdemeanor, something that, that in Canada you could get in trouble for the same way, and you don't have like direct proof that you've changed your ways, they will not let you in the country. It's really hard to get into Canada. I'm surprised that we don't see like the president and his cabinet switch their tune though because like we're seeing in Chicago huge problem like the O'Hare airport is just like riddled 
with immigrants right now and a bunch of precincts around the city the same way. In New York, I, we're seeing these videos from Staten Island. Their mayor even came out saying that the migrant crisis is going to destroy New York and that they can't, he doesn't see an ending mm. to how this, like how mm. this is going to play out. So like two of the biggest cities, uh, you know, of blue cities in America are, are talking this way because they're finally seeing the problems that California and Texas and all these other Southwest states have seen, but we still don't see like a change in tune from him. That That's interesting to me. I guess. I, I don't know why you, you it's wouldn't see that. interesting. Yeah. So when uh, you hear community members in Chicago, remember we played this clip a, a couple months ago and one of the community leaders was speaking out and was saying, it only takes about two to 300 people to displace our entire voice. Two to 300 people come into this, this community and they will now have the power to vote out, out at whatever whatever it is that, that the community members that have been here for for years are 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 working towards and we will not put up with that type of behavior this has been talked about on a larger scale as the great replacement theory and you even mentioned the great replacement theory you're labeled as the biggest bigot and and, and racist in the world right and plenty of people have 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 gone down that road and have not met a good end. But how could you not think that way if the borders are so porous and the current administration is trying to do nothing about it? And then you have to wonder, well, what does it benefit them to not do anything about it? The only thing I can think of is more votes. That's the only thing I can think of. Right. Because why would you want this? Why would you want, I mean, communities all across, you just said it, all across the nation are, are saying, hey, I'm all, I'm all for immigration. Give us your huddled masses and what have you. Uh, but maybe we were a little bit too overzealous when we labeled our city a sanctuary city because we didn't quite understand what that meant. And now we're understanding what it means and we were wrong. We don't want to be a sanctuary city anymore. We actually, we don't, we don't have the resources to be the sanctuary city that we thought that we had. And I see no end. And if yeah. you ask the, the border patrols are Anthony Mayorkas, Mayorkas, his last name is Mayorkas. He says repeatedly on public television and, and, and every chance he gets to speak publicly, he will say the border is secure. Uh, he's, he's a liar. He's a bald-faced bald liar, lying to the entire American public. I don't know how you stop it. One option that comes to my head is instead of 500 million going over to Ukraine, maybe we put that into our immigration system and we hire a bunch more Americans to make it a little bit easier for the, you know, the nice, good people that want to come and, and are actually seeking asylum from the crazy shit down there. You make it easier for people to actually immigrate into this country instead of having to set a year and a half court date down the road. If, if we just put that money into infrastructure, you could fix this problem in a second. But instead, we're going and just buying more weapons and adding more support to Ukraine for a war that I don't really see an end in sight. You know what I mean? I, I'm not saying we're going to be a 20 year war like Iran, but like I don't see either side budging here and what they're fighting for is very important to both sides and right. America and, and, too, and since it's our proxy war. But nobody really had the ability to vote on this. No. Right? Like, like, yeah, like we voted on the current administration and, and Biden won. But, but, but had we known that there was going to be a, 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 a war that was going to cost Amer uh, American taxpayers trillions of dollars, would we have voted on it? I don't think so. I would also think I if really you had these so. two things on the ballot, solve American immigration crisis or start to solve it or give money to another country, I would think most Americans would vote for something that actually is affecting us. Very much yeah, so man, right I, now. I, I don't. I don't think you're. I don't think you're far off. It's, and so what it boils down to, I think what you're what you're saying here is 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 standards. What are the standards for coming into the country? And also, what does your American citizenship mean to you? For a lot of people, it doesn't mean much mm -hmm. because they hate this country and they don't give a fuck what happens. For a lot of people, the point of this is that the structures that are in place currently are dismantled totally and completely. Yeah. 
For some people, that's what it means. I think for a lot more people, American citizenship means a lot more and it's something worth protecting. And it's not something that you can say nobody else is going to get. I think that's kind of the message that Louis C.K. was saying. Like we, we try and protect our borders so that nobody else can get in. Like, I don't think that's the case. I think, I think overwhelmingly people are in favor of the expansion of the American population through immigration. I think they're all, all we're asking for is a process so that when, you know, so that there's some sort of assimilation, there's some sort of uh, acceptance into America for what it is currently instead of just saying everybody come in and then it just changes. That That is a recipe for chaos and disaster. And and I don't know why anybody would want that. I just, it it, it, it boggles the mind. It, it really truly does. And I'm not saying, I'm not, look, I'm certainly not saying you go vote Republican that's going to change because, uh, you know, these things, just because somebody else is in, in the White House, they don't change overnight. You can't just snap your fingers as president and, and make this go away. This is really, truly determined on, on, your, on your local elections, on what people are going to do locally uh, for immigration if you're in a place like Chicago or for the border if you're in a place like uh, California, Arizona, New Mexico, and Texas. Yeah. I, d- did you see Putin's comments about our political system last year or last week? Yeah, he was spot on. Dude, spot on. I'm going to just read an yeah. excerpt of what he said. And it, it's, yeah, it's so true. He, he said, as for the prosecution of Trump, for us, what is happening in today's conditions, in my opinion, is good because it shows the rottenness of the American political system, which cannot pretend to teach others democracy. Everything that is Mm -hmm. happening with Trump is the persecution of a political rival for political reasons. That's what it is. And this is being done in front of the public United States and the whole world. And it's so like, yes, that's true. But like, then we look at what's going on with immigration, very flawed. And it's probably, it's a result of our democracy and how it's being handled politically and not being solved. Our education systems, terrible, dude. But yet we're throwing all this other money to try to make other countries, you know, to teach them democracy, as Putin says, or, or to like try to get our foothold in these areas. And it's like, we don't even have our own shit under control. And now we're like super hyperextended and seeing all kinds of problems while America, like life in America crumbles, inflation soaring, all this other shit. It's just like, it's so frustrating, dude. And like you're now we're being called out on it on a global scale and we deserve it. But, and, and if you, and if you think, you know, uh, uh Vladimir Putin is not uh, somebody that you should be uh, t- take, taking uh, points for, uh, from, f- for, uh, our, our domestic policy. The reasons that you think that way are because of the things that we say about Putin, right? Putin's not going to sit up there and say, yeah, you know, I, 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 I kill political dissidents and, and my, uh, my opponents. I murder them. He's not going to say that, yeah, but we know right. he does right. because we say that he does because that's our enemy. So I would probably take my cues from my enemy because they're not going to say, they're not going to tell fibs on me. They're going to look for the things that are true and, and, and verifiable and then talk about that. I also don't need Putin to say that to like realize it's a problem, but now we have other well, world right, leaders exactly. calling out like our political corruptness and, and the current state of America. And like, it's just, it's a bad look and it's true. It's so true. Unfortunately it is, man. And like, so like, like what, how, how, like how terrible is that on a world stage that somebody like Putin, who we know is, you know, the worst of the worst, right? Really, truly like a, a, like a terrible person is saying things that are awful about us and that are true on the world stage. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's awful. While we He's watch like, him, China and all these other countries create their own fern- currency that's backed by gold. Like that's yeah. going to just make, cripple us even more long-term. It's just like, they they won, dude. Like not necessarily Russia, but like America is losing <laughs> in all of this. Big time. They we're losing. Big time. All right, let's go into... We go into a bit of a dark place here, Al. Buckle up. I thought that's where we just were. <laughs> no, that was light. The names here have been changed for uh, anonymity purposes. Emma discovered that a compilation video of men masturbating to nude photos of her at 14 years old mm. 
was being monetized on Pornhub with ads distributed to 130 million site visitors a day and made downloadable for free. The video used the tag Naked Teen. Ashamed to tell her parents or the police, she reached out to Pornhub informing them that she was 14 years old and demanding that the video be removed. Pornhub responded with a generic automated response. Two weeks later, having heard nothing, she, first, she desperately reached out again, demanding a takedown. This time, she provided Pornhub with a picture of her passport to verify her, her age and identity. The passport confirmed she was underage. Pornhub eventually responded, but did not remove the video. Discouraged after these failed attempts, she eventually gave up. She was severely traumatized by the ordeal and now suffers from extreme depression and anxiety. She fears the widespread decimation of the video will interfere with her dream of becoming a teacher one day. In 2021, she sued Pornhub. New evidence published on September 1 by the court in a California child sex trafficking class action lawsuit shows unearthed evidence that Pornhub's owner and CEO made the decision to only hire one person to work five days a week reviewing flagged videos. They had a backlog of 706,000 flagged videos and an intentional policy where a video would not be put in line for review unless it had over 15 flags. The emails, text messages, and depositions so employees understood that management did not want the rules enforced against illegal content. Depositions proved Pornhub was hiding known child sex abuse videos from authorities for over 13 years. It's clear that Pornhub's owners and executives set up a system that thwarted and discouraged victims from being able to take down their criminal abuse. In fact, in a new sex trafficking lawsuit filed in California federal court on September 8th, the victim says Pornhub threatened to sue her if she continued trying to remove her sex trafficking from the site. Uh, this comes from a website called Trafficking Hub, and it's dedicated to the uh, sex trafficking uh, exploitation on specifically porn hub. We've talked about this a lot. I, I just thought it was uh, worth bringing up um, that there are you know lawsuits being put into place, and you know no, no matter what Pornhub has done recently to try and thwart the illegal uploads of uh, underage persons on their sexually explicit website that they have done things in the past to deny responsibility and you know deny the accusers or the the victims of, of this abuse um, the accusations that they're, they're, they're being brought forward um, there's a bunch of links you know, if you're interested we can we can send you about about what's going on here and, and they have court documents and, and all the like but I brought this up first I saw it I thought it was worth bringing up but really really I, I there was a, a story about um, the Boy Scouts of America that kind of took me aback that that kind of falls in the same line were you a Boy Scout I was for yeah probably like five years were, were, were you privy to or aware of any sexual misconduct with anybody that you were in Boy Scouts with? not at the time no that shit wasn't coming out like it kind of has the last 15 years I feel like so there's a new um, I believe a documentary on Netflix called Scouts Honor, The Secret Files of the Boy Scouts of America. Mm. And in it uh, are uncovered claims of 82,000 known victims. Um, Jesus. The Boy Scouts of America remain in complete denial about the scale of misconduct and its role in abetting it. The organization is deeply committed to protecting its shattered brand reputation at all costs. Did you know that the Boy Scouts now admit girls? Really? Yeah. Jeez. I think they sued. Interesting. And now girls can go uh, and join the Boy Scouts. Can boys join the Girl Scouts? I don't believe so. Mm. If you had to guess, what would be the total number of accusations in America, just in America, of abuse by Catholic priests? I just looked this up just because 
I was I wanted to compare it in my head. I don't have America. I just have the world from 1950 to 2020. What's the world? It says 330,000. 330,000. Okay. Mm-hmm. In America, based off of the 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 best official reports that we that we can pull from, they're not done by Catholic Church, uh, but they've been com- they were you know uh, commissioned by them, paid for by them. Mm. It shows that there are roughly eleven thousand. That can't be true. I mean, if it's paid um, for by the Catholic Church, I'm sure they're like bury as much as you can. So the the, the Pennsylvania. There's, so there's there's two reports. Uh, the the John Jay report, which is uh, done by the John Jay College of Criminal Justice in t- 2002. Uh, commissioned by the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, showed about 11,000 allegations made against 4,392 priests. There's a Pennsylvania grand jury report in 2018 um, that identified 11, or excuse me, that identified 1,000 ch- uh, child victims of sexual abuse by 300 priests. So if you were to take the Pennsylvania grand jury report and just across the country, uh, multiply it by each state. That's 50,000, right, uh, uh, accusations. We'll just say that on the high end, that's what, we're, what we have in America, 50,000 accusations of, of, of abuse. It's still dwarfed by the Boy Scouts of America. 82,000 known victims. These are known victims. The gentleman who wrote this article, Steve Schmidt, this is, his, this is from his Substack. He says, I am a Eagle Scout and proud Boy Scout who came face to face with my predator at age 12 at Rock Hill Boy Scout Camp in, in Pennsylvania. It was a moment that lingered in my life like a pestilence. For me, an encounter that lasted a few moments remained vivid uh, 40 years later. And then he goes on to talk about the documentary. Uh, the hero of the documentary is a retired special victims detective from Plano, Texas, a whistleblower named Michael Johnson. He spent his entire career trying to protect children from sexual predators, and he makes the point that sexual abuse is a fairly benign euphemism for something terribly violent, and I think that is so true. I'll read that again. He makes the point that sexual abuse is a fairly benign euphemism for something ter- terribly violent. In this case, adult men sodomizing, raping and violently fellating boys, right? Uh, even even the term sexual abuse is watered down to 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 what actually happens, especially uh, when it comes to little boys and men. Uh, he makes the following point at the end of the documentary: Most men will never report the abuse. They can't. They aren't strong enough. And our society punishes the courage of its male victims of male abuse. Um, I don't know that that's a necessarily true, although although I, I don't think it's not true either. I think there are more men than women who are willing to sit with their experience and not bring it up and suppress it because of the inherent shame that comes with that type of sure. event, even though it's not your fault. And you might understand full well that it's not your fault that you, you know, seven, eight years old, nine years old, 10 years old, whatever it is, you have absolutely no control over what happened to you. You still can't bring yourself to come out and say, yeah, raise your hand. This happened to me. Yeah, interesting stuff, man. I, I always would, I always thought that putting my kid in the Boy Scouts would be a tremendous thing for him. And you might've found value in it. I don't know, but God, it just makes you think, man, is it where, like what institution can you trust? Yeah, I mean, dude, I don't know. I, I think if we really want to stop this shit, you need to up the penalties for it. Like, I, it's it's been, like, allowed, I guess I would all say, but to go on for too long. Like, people have known this shit's been happening for years and years and years. We see it with the Boy Scouts. We see it with the Catholic Church. All kinds of shit. Like, the just the child sex traffic that's even coming more into light now with, with new movies and, you know, Epstein and all these other things. It's like, I've seen no rule changes or, or any kind of, like, thing that will show that we're going to actually take this seriously, mm-hmm. you know, like it, institute the death penalty for in, any kind of like 
sex abuse of a minor. And let's see how much it drops. I guarantee you it does drop. Obviously, it'll still happen. But like when you make the consequences big instead of, oh, we're just going to move you to another diocese or, oh, you're no longer be able to be a priest. Sorry. That means like that's nothing in the grand scheme of what these monsters have done to people. They're ruining lives. I mean, it, short of, of murdering them, like what it's one of the worst things you could do to somebody, especially to a kid. You know, like yeah, I have right. no sympathy for these motherfuckers. Like I would Absolutely. be happy if my tax dollars went to executing them. Like, great. One less, you know, one less terrible person on this world to chew up resources and, and hurt people more. I just don't, I don't see any sympathy for them. We talked about like the instituting sex styles and other things to help them find another way to get that outlet, that sexual frustration, whatever that is. It's no, I, I have no sympathy for these people. We need to deal with them. Like, I, I or we're just going to, I somehow like there's going to have to keep getting more made, like, right? Because right. like most likely something happened to that person when they were young that fucked them up. That, that got them trapped in either that psyche of like, I'm into kids because that's when this shit happened to me or whatever it is. And then they're more likely to then go do that to another kid who's going to probably develop some kind of similar thing. And it's like, it just snowballs. Whereas if we find ways to force these people to not do this, I don't see how it doesn't help. I don't, it's just, I, I yeah, talk in you know, when I was, when I was researching, uh, uh, what this looked like in, in light of the, the Catholic church sex abuse, um, allegations, one of the things that I found interesting was that overwhelming majority of the priests that they were able to talk to that had been accused and that admitted to their abuse said that that had happened to them right when they were kids but they're they're probably chilling right now right they're not in prison well yeah i i, I don't think so yeah I, I don't know yeah i mean it, it seems as though that they've gone on like, oh I, I really shouldn't have done that really yeah it, right right and it yeah it happened to me and but, but 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 see here's the thing like that that's not an excuse but it's an important it's an important part of the story true uh it's 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 an important part to understand uh, even though it doesn't excuse it and it should it shouldn't be taken into account when determining the severity of the penalty i agree with you i, I think one of the things i don't know that this is true anymore but but i think back before the allegations of sexual abuse particularly in the catholic church but we hear as you can see in the boy scouts that, that we didn't really understand the prevalence of child abuse. Mm -hmm. I think polite society believed that it was rare occurrence that a child gets abused sexually. That's wishful thinking, I think, was what we've learned. Well, I, I think, I think, yeah, now, but but even back then, if so, like, even if your even if your kid came up to you, I could understand how a parent might be like, well, like they had this happen to my kid, but like probably only happened to my kid. So it's probably better that we just stay quiet about it because I don't want you to be this outcast that's known as like the sexual abuse victim. And like, you know, thinking, th thinking very irrationally about what it might look like from a, a status. As a parent, like, yeah, like trying to protect their kid. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Right, but, but, now, but now we know that pedophilia is, God, I mean, like short of calling it the norm, it's like really prevalent. Mm -hmm. It's out there, man. Like it, it, you can't hide from the fact anymore that like there are more perverts than there are not. And how we stop it, I don't know, but I'm in agreement with you, man. Like there certainly should be no leniency towards it. If that means that some people who can't figure out the fact that they are attracted to, uh, you know, young children or have been abused themselves and can't help themselves, like that is unfortunate. Uh, but I would rather see society break the cycle than try and have people work it out on themselves and then end up falling into the same cycle. Agreed, agreed. And the sooner we attack it, the less likely that we have an origin story of a new kid who was molested when right. he was a kid and then goes on to do that in 30 years. It's like we can't 
at this point really do much about what has happened. Like, I, and there's got to be ways to try to help these people one way or the other. But like, honestly, that's not my focus. I, I guess that's kind of shitty to say, but my focus would be stopping this from happening in the future, you know, stopping it from happening to my kids. Exactly. And if this was, you know, if this was something that happened to me, you know, while I, I couldn't possibly put myself in, in the shoes of somebody who's gone through something like this, you you could make the the argument that their legacy, their lasting legacy is being a link in the chain that stops the cycle. Mm-hmm. However that manifests itself, right? If it happened to you, you decide to act on it because that's what you know, and then you're punished severely for it, and it's something that you don't even understand in your own self. That situation is very unfortunate, but now your legacy is helping stopping the cycle of it, right? That That is your lasting imprint on the world, specifically on American society. And I think like, what a great legacy to have. Yeah. Right. Like I am a victim myself, but now I am, I am a, a, an example of what happens if, if you do do this. And, and now my legacy is that I am helping stopping this cycle because it is a cycle that is worth stopping at all costs. Or like, I don't know this popped in my head, Abraham Lincoln, his legacy is ending slavery. If we would have just like allowed slavery to happen, but it's not, you know, it's, it's not good. We know it's not good, but like, you know, go ahead, whatever your economy's been like, whatever, do your thing. Like that would have just continued and per- perpetuated in like those people's lives and all their families and generations and generations would be so shitty. Whereas if you put a stop to it, yeah, like we're still seeing some long-term effects of that mentality of, of slave ownership and of, of controlling and, and putting these people down for so long. But like, I don't think you can say that like life hasn't gotten better for African-American people in America since the 1800s. So it's like, it's going to take some time, but like we need to do the initial emancipation proclamation for these kids to like get this ball rolling and like show that there's going to be penalties and like you're, this shit's not going to keep flying. Cause right now it's, it's like, oh, it's as if we would have just like let slavery go on under the radar. It's literally child yeah. sex slavery now, like in a lot of cases yeah. or, or people manipulating these kids. Cause it's, they're easy targets, dude. Like a kid doesn't know they're, they're so they're, they're just so like fresh to the world and trusting adults most of the time. And, and like, if, if you really want to, if you're that evil and you want to like capitalize on that, it's probably pretty easily to do. So it's, it's like, we need to attack the problem as, as quickly and, and forcibly as we can, because otherwise it's just going to keep happening. Yep. Absolutely. If I were to take a credit card out mm-hmm. in the name of my son, mm. does that make me a bad parent? Uh, I think it make, could make you a good parent because couldn't you like start building their credit now? What if I max the card out? Mm, that would be bad. That'd be bad. What if I bought myself things I couldn't afford and then left them with a bill? That'd be really bad. So you're saying putting all of that debt on their tiny little shoulders for my own benefit is bad. You might even call that evil. Yeah, yeah. The United States Mm. national debt just topped $33 trillion. It's crazy that that number is nothing. Like, it means nothing to me. (laughs) It registers absolutely, yeah. And it's so big. It's such a big fucking number. That's that's Walter's problem. Um, (laughs) It took the U.S. federal government 205 years to accumulate the first $1 trillion in national debt. Oh my God. It took us 90 days to accrue the most recent trillion dollars. Four more years. Four (laughs) more years. Well, I mean, whatever. It doesn't matter who's in the office. Uh, uh, Donald Trump spent more than any president before. True. Him. Yeah, I mean, so so it seems that's our only option right now is to continue to spend and to continue to build this house of cards. It's going to fall down one day. It's going to fall down one day. Uh, it's untenable. And I think if we thought about it, 
as taking the debt in in our name and then dropping bombs on our children. Mm -hmm. It would probably be better uh, way to think about it than the way we're thinking about it now. Question, and this is like a dumb economics question. I'm not that well-versed in that area. I read Freakonomics a long time ago, and that's about <laughs> it. If So as BRICS and all this shit happens, U.S. dollar mm -hmm. falls. Mm -hmm. Does our debt fall? Or does what we have to pay back the debt just get smaller so we actually it grows? I, I don't know how that how it translates. The, the the fact that the world up until very recently used to use the U.S. dollar as the as the the base currency just meant that the dollar was strong. I, what it means for our debt, it doesn't. I don't want to say it doesn't matter. It definitely matters. But as far as our debt's concerned, it only matters to the point that we can continue to make payments on our debt. But like to who? Like is our debt to? America to the U.S. Treasury, or are we like borrowing from China and all these other like bigger countries? Well, a, a, a nation gets into debt by selling securities mm -hmm. that we pay back with interest, right? Somebody buys a five-year uh, treasury bond and they get that money but that, that, that they bought the bond with plus interest back in five years. So we're just borrowing from our citizens or from citizens of the world to continue doing what we're doing. And then we pay that back with interest. Yeah. So we accrue debt, which is fine, right? Like, a, you know, a nation can hold on to a certain amount of debt and be okay. But the reason that we have all this debt is because we continue to spend more than we, than, than we make in revenue, right? So, so again, very important point here, point here is that the government does not make revenue. They don't do anything that brings in revenue. They take your revenue, you being a citizen, you being a, a, a company, uh, you being anybody who uh, that, that pays taxes, you facilitate the federal government. So there's a, a set amount of revenue that the government will bring in every year. And then they will spend above that and they will borrow from the good faith and credit of the United States in order to spend that money, right? So, so gotcha. we're, we're constantly making debt payments that are, that are larger and larger and larger. The, the fact that the world is going to stop dealing in the United States currency is a bad thing for our status, but it's kind of inevitable, you know, a uh, hundred years or so is about what we get and we got it. And so now we're, it's done. But in terms of our debt, it, it's just our ability to continue to make payments on our debt. Uh, we talked about this a few weeks ago when your dad was on how uh, our credit rating for the first time ever had, had been decreased. Yeah. It's a bad thing. It's a bad thing. It's not because we're not making our payments. It's because we have so much debt that it's no longer as secure of an, of an investment as it was to buy United States debt. Debt is the way that you grow an economy, right? So like you hear debt and you think bad because you think about your personal debt, your credit cards, your student loans, things like that. It, it's something that that's a stressor on you. But if you thought about debt in a different way, you know, it's, 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 it's the most useful tool in the world. And if you use it correctly, uh, then you are able to grow your personal wealth. If a nation uses it correctly, they're able to grow their wealth. To carry a certain amount of debt is not uncommon, and it's usually, you know, a sign of a, of a health, especially a business, right? Like if a business has no debt, you're like, why, right? Why don't you have any debt? Do you have that much cash? Are you Apple? Are you Google? Or as, or as my, my, my professors say, are you the Vatican? Um, no, you're not. So you need to have debt because cash is king and you can't, you, you, you're not making all this money. Uh, and then you have these hordes of, uh, of cash that you're not spending. That, that's a dumb idea. It's a dumb idea to hoard cash like that. Uh, you, 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 need to, you need to be investing it. You need to be making it work for you. Uh, and debt is the way that you do that. But $33 trillion is far too much debt. Yeah. Far too much. Eek. Eek is right. My only other question before we get out of here is why is no major news outlet really talking about House Republicans 
bringing an impeachment hearing to Joey Biden because it's all I saw when it happened to Trump like three yeah. times. <laughs> yeah, I know. I <laughs> mean, uh, I, I, you know, I, I, if this was 20 years ago, it would be the biggest news story ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think uh, impeachment has a new meaning. I think we know that it is going to fall on deaf ears and that there's really no avenue for the president to uh, be convicted. And so it's just an exercise in futility. It seems like a way to air dirty laundry about the president at this point to like shut down aspirations of like a second term. Because like they're gonna, you're, if this moves forward, which I think it will, the house is run by Republicans, correct? So there, yeah, there will be, a, there will be a hearing. I think it's just gonna show to the American public what happened with Hunter Biden and the cover up of all that information right before the election. I, I think that's just to kind of maybe try to expose Democrats for what happened. But I, yeah, I don't yeah, think he's gonna be removed. Right, and it's just it's probably just you know McCarthy being able to say that he did something. Right. If, if they really wanted to do something, I think that they would impeach uh, the attorney general, Merrick Garland, because he seems to be the most complicit, this Hunter Biden saga. Really? And, yeah. His name is every, his name is everywhere. And he's been pulling, pulling strings and lovers uh, to make it so that Hunter Biden has been protected, uh, but really so that the president has been protected. Uh, something happened last week, Washington Post reporter that kind of... Uh, began to set the stage of a uh, Joe Biden exit running for presidency. And he basically was like, uh, hey, I don't think uh, Biden should win. Who's with me? Or Biden should run. Who's with me, right? Who's with me on my side? It was a first, he was the first major pundit uh, mm. to put something out there saying, I don't think that Biden should run. And for, you know, you and me and, and every other regular person out there, like, yeah, agreed. <laughs> um, but, but it, 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 it lands, it, it lands like an atomic bomb in Washington because finally you have somebody who is, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a mouthpiece um, for that side of the aisle saying for the first time officially in writing in, an, in, in a, in a uh, article in the Washington Post that he doesn't believe that Biden should run. And really what he did, he's just signaling. And then, you know, I, I don't know if you've, been paying attention, but, you know, CNN's been talking about his age and how he's not doing things well. And, you know, uh, so, so you're starting to see the, uh, you're starting to see the, the dominoes fall into place. And I agree with you. I think this impeachment is just another one of those dominoes. Makes sense though, because Democrats are, it's kind of crunch time, dude. Like it's a pretty much a year out from the election and you guys don't have like a front runner candidate or anyone, you know what I mean? (laughs) There's no way. There's just, there's just there's no, no way. way. He's, he's, he's barely alive. And we're already at like our second Republican GOP debate or whatever that Trump's not going to. But like we've seen none of that from the Democrat side at all. And there's just no real talk or like any kind of direction for right. that party. It's just it's they're in trouble. <sighs> but that's it. That's our time. If you guys could do me and Frank a huge favor as listeners of our podcast and go and review the Friendship News Hour on whatever hub you listen to it on, hopefully not Pornhub, <laughs> any other of the hubs, uh, that would be very appreciated. You can also find us, uh, you could send us an email anytime with any thoughts, comments, concerns as well at bummerdo.media at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at FriendshipNH and on Instagram and TikTok at Friendship News Hour. See ya.